Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 15 of the Examination Podcast, where we examine every excellent book Marvel has to offer. I'm this week's host, Dane Rainier, and joining me this week, as always, is Kelsey Strutz. I am ecstatic to be here. <laughs> you sound like the episode of Futurama where uh, Gary Gygax is in it, and it's like, it's a, and then he rolls the dice, pleasure, pleasure to meet, meet you. you. Take my plus one mace. <laughs> but so with this, with Quentin obviously being gone, we'll get in that in a little bit, Kelsey when I say, as always, Kelsey Struts, that's true. You are now the only person, I believe, to make every episode of the podcast. Well, I do a lot less work on the podcast. So, you know, the whole me showing up thing feels like a necessity. It balances out. If- show up. Like, like Brett Favre, you know, I don't do my homework, but you know what? I'm there on game day, guys. <laughs> if you're not here for this, what are you really contributing? Correct. So anyways, we are here, Kelsey and Dane, but Quentin is not. He got called into work tonight, which is unfortunate. But the upside, I guess, you know, I don't know. How would you balance this out, Kelsey? There's getting called into work one night versus just getting engaged. Oh, congratulations, Quentin. Oh, yay. When you listen to this later. But yes, so Quentin has... Uh, was the last to fall amongst our bachelor ranks, and uh, uh, no, no, that's that is so not true. In this of the podcast, oh, of the podcast, I thought you're talking about our friends. I'm like, oh no, no, we no the people certain, at home don't know our friends. We have a certain blonde friend. Let's pray he doesn't listen. <laughs> it's not an insult. I'm just saying. Anyways, yes, congratulations to our regular weekly host Quentin on his engagement. We look forward to that and. Congratulations to our current host today, Mr. Dane Rainier, and his 33rd birthday. That is correct. Yeah, I, I turn another year young. Um, we had a, I had a very good dinner that my wife made tonight. And what did she make? Just, Spaghetti and meatballs? No, we had... Cordon Bleu. You're getting closer, actually. It was a bacon-wrapped Gouda chicken. Okay, okay, okay. With so a there twice-baked... Was- there was pork, potato. chicken, and a cheese involved. Yeah, yeah. And chopped up apples, too. Like, it ooh, really ooh. flavored well with the bacon. Oh, I know. Yeah. Were your so daughters upset that their birthday dinner was not what they wanted? Uh, well, one of them doesn't know anything. Uh, her birthday dinner would just consist of, like, mashed up fruits and veggies. Um, the other one, the other, I don't know if you saw what I put up. We can't use any B-Day related words around the toddler. Because she will then get sad that it's not her birthday. So my wife had to wish me happy pots and pans. That was our code word to not bring up B-Day related words. So it's like you're in, uh, um, oh, like you're hostages and you're, and you're like blinking out. Yes. SOS. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise she will cry because she's going to expect presents. I hear you. All right. All right. Well, enough about our personal lives and our personal celebrations. This week, we got back to comics, getting to read the latest installment of the Giant Size one-off issues, this week featuring the iconic ex-villain-turned-hero, Magneto. But before we get into that comic, let's hook up to Cerebro and see what's happening in the world of Marvel. So the first thing specific to us, of course, is that this week marks the start of the return of comics for us. It does. Oh, well... Wait, wait, didn't we, we reviewed one recently. 
Well, we've kind of filled in some blanks and we've had some every other week, but starting this week and moving forward, we should be back to a regular scheduled slate of X comics. Next week's actually really busy. Yeah. So this week we got the giant size Magneto, but next week we get the empire storyline. We get the X-Men issue. Number one of that new mutants, number 11 Wolverine, number three and Hellions two. Have you read the other empire yet? The, the main empire one yet? I have not. I have not. I, I haven't either. Before. I'll probably I'll probably hit them both up when X Men Empire number one releases, just like so you yeah, keep things to try and keep up with stuff. Yes. So yeah, we've got four issues next week, and then the week after that, the last week of July, we're going to get the debut X Factor number one, the return of Cable in issue number two, and then continue with the X Men, the just iconic title book number ten. So we're going to be back into this quick. I, and I'm excited for Cable, too. I, I've sadly slightly forgotten what happened in Cable 1. I'll have to go back and reread it because, you know, Corona. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see because I remember – all I remember is that I liked it. Yeah, it was good. He had, he had a good attitude to him and getting to see him as a, a featured character. And if you remember, the story sort of resolved or revolved around that sword that he found and it seemed to activate some kind of like right. space knights. Yes. yes there were space knights coming space knights. and so i ha- i feel like that has to be a big tie-in to the upcoming uh, x slash ten of swords storyline yes you know you can't introduce a new blade like that right before ten of swords and not uh, and not have it matter right. although it'd be brutal if they just didn't have it matter <laughs> just forgot about it just another just like, you uh, know what unidentified sword it is a sword guys don't worry about it so also in the comic books and X-Men realm of news, uh, there was a report that I saw from the comic book resources this weekend where Marvel and X-Men editor Jordan White mentioned how drastically their plans are changing between the original X-Summit meeting that kind of birthed you know, House and Powers to now because of COVID. And, and do they mean, okay, is COVID changing because it's just thrown off timeframes or has it changed, you know... I hope it hasn't changed due to political climates. Yeah, that, I mean, they they weren't specific. I think, you know, it just mentioned a couple of general statements. They didn't say specifically COVID, but you're right. I don't know if that's, if that had anything to do with it. I mean, that. it makes sense that just the time factor has just thrown things off and they've got certain scheduled release dates that they need to switch stuff around or yeah. tying into big things going on in the Marvel universe. Um, I, I just hope it's not, Politically related, because honestly, I'm at the point of numbness from everything being political, like everything. I mean, not buying something because you don't like what someone said. And so it just, you know, I'm just hoping that our comics, they're already political in their own nature. You know, they're they're almost like a subversive counterculture type thing without trying to sound too avant-garde. So I just hope they don't cave to a self-indulged pressure you know like they put a pressure on themselves to change it because this is the winds of change that are happening now yeah i, I will say this though i think marvel and specifically the x-men yeah i mean they generally yeah. are pretty and, and, that's, and, and, anyway. and, that, and that's why i hope that it's not that and that there are they're just they're sticking with what their plans are and things like that that it's not I would suspect it's more likely just the timing because when you have a big event like 
Ten of Swords planned and knowing when it's coming and needing the stuff to lead into that. Uh-huh. And then probably thinking we can only push this so far. So what do we have to scrap to make room sort of and, stuff? And because, you have it, you know, connected to Empire or anything like right. that. that. Yeah, right. So that's my guess is that it's, it's just all this time related stuff. And it's it's not just pushing stuff forward and pushing stuff back. Like, I think we're legitimately going to see cancellations because the quote from I, I guess you can't call them cancellations if they never start. But yeah, where's my quote, excellent? Where's my ecstatic spinoff? Well, cause, yeah, the quote from Jordan White was that these are books that were going to happen that are not going to happen now and books that didn't exist that now will. So maybe they're going to have to make some books to fill in some like, gaps. Um, or okay, be. Children of the Atom we think is going to go away, right? It, it, I, I, we don't know. Been, we don't know. Because I, I, I won't lie. It seems like at a the prime cover, Looking at the cover, I was like, oh, this already seems like it may likely – be garbage. You have to think that some of the, the most obvious candidates would be Children of the Atom, the rumored ecstatic spinoff book, Excellent, the X book, and Moira X. And I don't know what you do with Moira X unless you were really fleshing her into the story more, but she really seems like a character that I would keep in the background anyway to bring back up later in the main books. Yeah, not fleshing her out so much as just using her as a plot device. Right, because really, let's be honest, that's what they did in House and Powers. She was a plot device. But I think maybe that's the goal of Moira X, you know, is to kind of get some of us, maybe some more jaded readers that are like, all right, you're just going to bring her out of the basement when you need her to move something forward. And jaded or not, I don't mind that. It's a plot device. Everything's got them. They exist for a reason. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what books uh, are gone and we never see and what books come out of that. Yeah. But some other exciting news moving out of comics and into some movie history. Yesterday, the 14th of July, was the 20th anniversary of the first X-Men movie release. And I think we talked... Was it really? Yeah, it was 20 years ago yesterday. The you, were, you weren't even 13 yet. You were 12. Correct. I yeah, was 13. Just, Thank you for showing off your advanced stage. Yes, and maturity. Everyone knows it. So we've talked about the movie several times, I feel like, and we kind of filled in some gaps talking about alternate, um, alternate, you know, topics while we were waiting for comics. And I think we've all talked about kind of how the comic or how the movies hold up. But what I want to just briefly touch on is what do you think that meant for comic and superhero movies before the MCU? What did X-Men mean? Yeah. I thought it was, you know, again, I'm a 13-year-old at the time, so what is my scope of knowledge? And this is, while the internet existed, this is not, this is the age of AOL. So give give me a break here so I wasn't tapped into all the Twitters. Um, I thought it was big, man. I, I, I remember being excited. You know, it was... One of those feelings where, oh, they're finally doing it. Because you're always thinking about, man, I love that they made this into a movie. And the look was great because it was that gritty, leather-clad, real-world look. And at that age and that time, you don't have the nostalgia factor coming in. Like now, I would see that and, oh, gag me. Great. They're in their leather. That's, you know, so cool. It, and it seems a little played out. It's very... Right. But at the time, it was awesome. You know, I think my only complaints when it first came out, 
I think I was upset that Sabretooth wasn't more of a central role as being a um, foil for Wolverine. Like they didn't know each other. You know, I thought I felt like and I've never felt that they've ever casted Sabretooth properly. That's probably fair that he may not have been fully ever used to his potential. No, I don't. Yeah. And I don't blame them for that. I mean, you know, for them at that time as a side character, I thought, though, having Ian McKellen as Magneto, old Magneto was great because they always draw him with white hair and stuff. He's always jacked. I mean, now it's like like he fits his age. He looks like he also would be, you know, next to Professor Xavier And, and really tying the Holocaust survivor type thing into his backstory. Yeah. All those things were really, really good. Patrick Stewart is Professor X. Um, yeah, Hugh Jackman, before he's huge jacked yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, looking back on them, you know, with hindsight, it's kind of interesting because in the lens of the newer X-Men movies we've gotten, I know I complain a lot about the fact that with Fassbender and, um, you know, what's his name, the guy that plays Xavier? Oh, um, um, McAvoy. McAvoy. The Fassbender McAvoy. It seems like because they have those big name actors, they can't get away from music. Like, and because they are so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. And, and they're so great. Paying these people yeah. top dollar, you have to use them. It's, and it, so that, that's one of the things that looking at the old X-Men movies, they got the legitimacy of Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. But we didn't have to get their full like they just jumped in. They were who they were, mm-hmm. and we got a team of X Men to focus on. Yes, but at the same time, you know, as campy as some of it was with the leather and it being a superhero movie, you're absolutely right. Like it, there was some grit to it with you know focusing on Magneto as the Holocaust survivor. Like they jump right well, into that, and and Rogue's issues too. They they you know they used to never. Well, no, I can't say that. In the comics they talk about her not being able to touch people and uh, you know, the cartoon and stuff. It's a thing, but they really focused on it too, to, to jump out at it at the beginning and show this is the effect of what she has on people. This is a seriously emotional. I, I mean, she has her own PTSD. Yeah. You know, they it, added some real drama to some otherwise potentially campy, yeah, it, Wolverine was good. I love Wolverine living out of a camper. Yeah, chewing was, cigars. I mean, they they you know, and really the whole movie I thought was cast very well. I mean, James Marsden is Cyclops. I think James Marsden should still be Cyclops. Yeah, I, I, you're right. In a different, like older, you know, a little more mature, you know, a little grayer, it, it still works for me. He could be. I he could be. He could be your terrorist Cyclops. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I can, can still 100% see it. That and would be a cool recast for, you know, not recast, but bringing him back as that version. Yeah, right Fomka. Fomka as, as Jean Grey. I mean, again, it is, is just an extremely well-cast movie. So speaking of the X-Men and their casting in movies, yeah. we brought up, I don't remember if it was last podcast or the one before, that um, it was rumored uh, Giancarlo Esposito yes. was potentially being looked at for Xavier. Hey, uh, let's yeah. stick with Giancarlo Esposito really quick. Uh, by the way, yeah. as Xavier, I, I really like that. What movie, what movie do I really like that he was in? He's got a famous line in it. Or at least he's part of a famous line in it. I don't know. What is it? 
Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Yes, he's he is. Um, oh, who's a wrestler in it? Is it Big John Stud? I'd have to. I'd I think it's Big John Stud and him are, are at the bar. You know where he's telling him, he's like, "Oh, you're gonna get killed in there" because he understands sign language. But Indian guys, right? Tell him, "But be dead and cool than alive and uncool." Alive and uncool. So your oh, world, Holmes. A, I'm just living that, in it. Yeah, that was a driving motivator of my younger years. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of signs of our maturity. Yes. But anyways, uh, Giancarlo gave an interview with Entertainment Tonight recently. Yeah. And he said that he was a he basically kind of teased that at saying that the MCU would be the next step was the quote that he used in his career. So it seems pretty clear he's coming to the MCU. Well, it didn't it say anything good. specifically about X Men, but. It makes sense, though. I mean, he's already made the jump into Disney, owned by Marvel, with his role as Moth. I can't yeah. remember his name. But he's got the dark yeah. saber. Um, and that was what part of the article talked about, was they theorized maybe he would be looking at a villain, given his recent roles in Mandalorian, in Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. And then, uh, you know, I like, I like the Professor X stuff. I do, too. I, like, I, think, they, I I think I think as he's a great character actor, I, I think he brings the intensity when he when he'll need it for the role. Um, he can play that softer, I'd say, it crippled um, position. I, I I think he is a good fit for that. Um, villain wise, I, I wouldn't. I you know, there's so many stinking villains. So you'd, whatever. I, I the more I think about it, the more I'm totally down for it and, and actually excited about the the prospect. Yeah. I am too. Well, that was a lot of news we've gone through. So I had another topic, but I think we should probably just skip into the issue because we're we're chewing up some time. Sure. So let's head down to Gray Malkin Lane and start discussing this week's issue. Kelsey, how about hitting us with the recap? Oh, let's hit it with the recap. It's called Magneto Number One, but it should be called Namor Number One. Because in Magneto Number One, we find him on an island off of the coast of Denmark, I think. It's northerly. He won it from some things, yeah. Yeah, and so I think it's off the coast of Denmark. So it's in the Scandinavian region of the world. Um, he is bringing the ship along. You, other than the fact that it's named Magneto Number One, remove the cover. Remove the name. If you just had the opening pages, you could probably suss it out for yourself as it is a ship coming along to this island. No one is driving it and there's no one on it. It's covered in containers. And then you see it's Magneto. Obviously, you can drive it. Um, he is there for a reason. It is because of uh, Emma Frost. Emma Frost wants this island. She wants it purchased or brought in or, you know, and he goes to the lighthouse keeper who is going to go contact his boss. And you kind of have a feeling what's about to happen because he says he's got to go get him. And when the light keeper comes back and basically tells us like, yeah, I let him know. He says he's going to be here. I don't know when he won't tell me. He won't tell you you're going to wait. You have to figure it's like, Oh, the only other mutant who just does not care about Krakoa Namor. And sure enough, here comes Namor. Uh, Namor is done pretty well in this issue. Pretty standard haughtiness. I, you know, do I want, maybe I'll sell it to you. I don't really, you know, he's eventually they go down into the ocean to go deal with a problem. 
they kind of allude to an earthquake or a seismic activity, I believe. And gosh, is that alluded to in something else? I want to say it's mentioned in a previous issue or something. I don't know. Um, they go down there and a great seal has been broke or cracked. And they're going to see if, if Magneto can open it, which he does, and reveals a Kraken, which, you know, I'm just going to keep recapping before I complain about that. Um, they fight with the Kraken. Kraken eats them. Um, I'm guessing they don't really dive into that. They just, he chomps it and then black. And then there's, oh, undersea witches. They're almost like um, Ursula from uh, Little Mermaid, I'd say. And they basically offer a selection of two objects for Namor to pick. One allows him to live. The other kills him. He picks wrong. And the thing is basically going to kill him. Magneto has a chance to pick. Magneto picks what is conspicuously a third pillar, which has nothing on it but like a little key. They said, oh, are you sure about that? Blah, blah, blah. And he gets the key, which apparently saves Namor. They're back on the island. Namor gives it to him. And then he builds a giant building with a sentinel face. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's very the ominous. Well, let's, let's go here. They don't reveal what Emma's plan is. Right. Uh, they don't reveal what this key is. Uh, they yeah, don't there's really. Some, there's, some there's, you know, so you really, it, it really explains nothing. This sets up maybe something. It might not set up anything. Uh, I do have one question. All right, not, not, the, not the Kraken, which is overdone. It is the scene where they are eating dinner together, him and Emma Frost, and he is able to lift the glass champagne bottle. Like what in that champagne bottle is metal? Thank you. Yes, I thought about that too. Maybe there's some foil on it that seems. But quite he has a bit that of much power. I mean, I mean that is that's too. You much. know, Magneto's ability to control metal is, is you know, some, sometimes he can just like pull people's blood out of them, and sometimes it's so just not enough. Yeah, sometimes you can't. Yeah. Just, All right. So, so minute complaints about that aside, let's start yeah. at the beginning. Sure. So Mag Magneto rolls up to this island, and they go out of their way to show you, like, no one's driving the boat. Yes, right? and that's and why I was like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so it is kind of cool that he's just sort of, like, power dragging this thing through the ocean with all of these shipping containers on it. And it's, like, what a it's a really cool optic to see. It is. What When looking at that, did you have an idea of what was coming Already, I, I didn't have an idea that he was going to build something. I, you know, the, the crates, I just thought he was driving the ship. You know, okay. I, I figured that I really like the art style and the way they kind of presented everything. But no, I, I didn't have an idea what he was doing, really, um, mainly because the giant sizes have all been different from an artistic and really a story premise. I mean, they, they've all had almost completely different feel. Each, each one yeah. is, is its own thing. I mean, truly not like, you know, X-Force, you get its feel going along. It's got a certain thing. They, they, they have, I'm rambling here. I can't even, I can't describe it. Um, 
Also, speaking of that, the optics and the art, I, I probably should have mentioned this earlier. This was an issue written by Jonathan Hickman, so sort of the architect of everything going on right now. Okay. And art was by Ramon Perez. The coloring so, seemed similar, too. That was David Curio. It was lighter, color. though. It's lighter than, than some of the shading that they've been doing. But, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know what he was going to do with the ship. I didn't have an idea. I just figured when I... I didn't know... I didn't know what he was going to do with it, but like looking at it, I just the first thing I thought was just, oh, that's a whole lot of metal. Like something's going to happen. Oh, yeah. I figured the ship was coming to play. I just, you, know, you think normally he's just going to pick it up and smash it into something. So moving forward in the issue, our surprise guest was Namor, the king of Atlantis. Yes. So let me ask you, what's this a surprise to you? Well, obviously not when I read the page that had the three characters in it. Um, but yes, from the cover, when when I am reading the cover, I did not have a clue that Namor was going to show up. And you know what? I, I should have had a feeling he would show up eventually, only because he's a mutant and he really hasn't shown up other than them saying, yeah, he kind of has given us the middle finger as far as coming to join the new nation. He is a pretty prominent mutant that's been excluded. I yes. know... Every now and then he just kind of fades into the background and does his own thing. And maybe it's just because I was such a big fan of the Utopia era yeah. of X-Men where he did play such a vital role. He was on the Extinction team. that like I think of him maybe a little more iconically as an X-Men than perhaps I should. But it, he has been, you know, like, just missing. Yes. Busy doing Atlantean stuff. Sea stuff. Sea water stuff. So do you think Namor was done well in this issue? Because you are a big Namor fan. Do you think he was uh, captured correctly? You know, he was captured boldly, I would say. He, the broad strokes were there. You know, the ego, the kind of action first attitude was there. Yeah. Um, I would tend to agree with you that I don't, there wasn't a lot of nuance to it. And yeah. I think I think sometimes there can be more nuance to a character like Namor. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of time. It's one issue and he's really in about half. But, you, yeah, I, I would generally tend to agree with you that I think the broad strokes are this felt like Namor to me. Yeah, you, you, could, you got the feeling. It's like, yes, he's behaving like a king where he's not – doesn't feel threatened by anyone. You know, some of the little things that it's like, oh, the seal crack. Hey, can you just open this thing? Let's just take a look. You know, it, it does – it does take somebody special to have like Magneto show up. Like in my brain, Namor had nothing going on, but he made Eric wait just because he's like, like, well, can't just show up. Like, yeah, it's like, he's like well, I'm already on my way. You know what? Though, no. make this guy wait. I'm gonna just hang hey, out like here for a little bit. He told that old timey sea captain, "Tell him I'll be there, but when I want." And he's just sitting down there, like twiddling his thumbs on a throne. Waiting. He's in the White House. He's like, damn it, I'm right here. No, tell him, tell him I'm coming, but he's got to wait. So the finding of Namor and the purpose of acquiring this island, we find out is coming from a favor that Emma has asked. She's yes. looking for an island. But yes. we don't know why right now. She just says Correct. that she has a plan and she needs an island. What is she doing here? Yeah, she's got a massive complex that just got built there. Yeah, like, she has a whole tower. Yeah, it's like, what is the purpose? With a, with a, a Krakoa gate yep. to make easy access for her, But no, I mean, what is her purpose there? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Her, you know, what is her long con? 
because I mean there are there are small like things. I would understand why you'd want multiple outposts as a shipping company, but it seems like it would have to be something more than that. To well, that's not a, that's not a shipping company area. Though. It's, it's an island that you can't really land. You can't really harbor a ship there. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure they could find a way to do it, but yeah, it seems like magic and mutants. And I think part of what makes it so hard to theorize about what it could be is that we don't really know when this happened. Correct. And so many issues have felt kind of nebulous in time, and you or, kind of have to just or outside kind of of it like, completely. Yeah, you just kind of have to be like, well, let's see if they mention Kate, and that will give us kind of a time frame. Yeah, that's because true. My original thought was maybe she was setting this up as some kind of an outpost to like try and find help find Kate. But then I'm like, well, location's not really right. Yeah, location way wrong. Right. And I don't know, I have no idea if this is before Kate dies, after Kate dies, or what's going on. Right. But Emma does, Emma kind of says something like, like our recent setbacks. And I don't know if that's what she's referring to. You know, if that's what that was. Like the financial issues, the hits that they've taken from uh, different, I guess they're not, well, for them, they're terrorist groups, I guess, you know, uh, the Verde or whatever. And the, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of hard. It's, it's kind of hard to know what's being planned because we don't have the context I'm surrounding fine. this because it's not a a repeating issue. It's these one-offs, and we don't really Correct. know where they fit. Yeah, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. It could be one of those things that we have to wait another, you know, like nine months to get another storyline resolved. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So uh, in order to acquire this island from Namor, Magneto has to go on what seems to me like the kind of classic uh, RPG quest. You know what I mean? Like, I want to acquire this island. I will give it to you. But first, you must fetch for me. Yes, three sheep And so Namor makes Magneto come help him with something. There's some missing uh, Atlantean scientists that were looking into this. And so they open up this big seal in the ocean and a kraken pops out. Why does this feel so commonplace that, like, there's a Kraken attacking? If you're in the ocean, a Kraken shows up. Yes, I know. Not again. Like, eventually, you gotta wonder, it's like, are are all the Krakens dead yet? Because at a certain (laughs) point, you run into so many. So, no, what is going on here in this scene? Are they inside the Kraken when this happens? That is what I'm guessing. But, like I said during the recap, it chomps, and then it's black, and then suddenly it's a new scene. So we're supposed to take away from it, right? Those that this is inside the crack of these three sea witches. I would say. And Do typical these... typical style sea witches, they've got octopus legs. Right. No, they look I'm... pretty on the outside, and then later when their true form is revealed, they're hideous. Right, right. Very like the fates, you know, from like Greek mythology. Correct. Stuff. So they they prose this puzzle, like you mentioned in the recap. Yes. Go, hey, we've got these two pillars. Which one do you choose? And I think they said pick one of these, I think, because the three pillars are in the scene as well. It's just, but they only give two options. They're like, you may take the stone or you may take the spiral. And of course, this is a a very good broad stroke name, or I feel like, like, obviously, I know the answer. Let's not discuss this. Yeah. And he takes spiral morons. He takes the one that starts eating his face. Yep. And then they pose, they're like, Magneto, which do you want? And he kind of pulls, like, sort of the most obvious switcheroo 
ever, right? Right. Well, it's not even like, you know, by the by the rules of the game, technically, he only had two choices from the beginning. I mean, and he just he added a third choice. You're just like, well, you have a third pillar here, so I'm going to take that one. It's like, well, it wasn't really on the list, but okay. We, we allow it? The, it feels like a riddle that's given to, like, a six-year-old, and it's just standing in front of you, and it's like, well, there's a third option, dummies. And then they're like, no, why would you do that? How did yeah. you break our puzzle? How did you know? It's like, well, you have three <laughs> you pillars a third here, identical a third pillar. thing. It's like, I was just wondering... Why can't I take this? I, I think, doesn't he ask? He's like, why can't I just take this one? Right. They're like, no. And they turn into their true forms. And they're like, do you even realize or care what you've done? And he's just like, no, not really. Well, yeah, it's like, I don't know what I've done. I, I what, If I picked a rock, what was going to happen? And so he, he takes this key that's on the third pillar. Yeah. And then much the way we got into this, not really, you know, just a chomp and a fade to black. Yeah. He just come takes the key and we fade back out. So we're like, we have no idea how they got out of this question. And Namor doesn't keep the key. You think Namor would be like, um, yeah, that that's mine. You you well, give so that. He, I live in the ocean. I, ocean mine. I, I kinda have a theory on this because he's got like that that snail thing on his face while this is happening. Right. Oh, he doesn't know he's got the key. I don't think Namor has the key because they show us a specific panel where no. Magneto so pockets it. So Namor doesn't even know. Yeah, okay. So Namor is unaware he has the key, maybe. Yeah, I that think that makes sense. That makes sense. Because I would think Namor would be the first to say, that key that you have in your hand, it is mine. Oh, 100%. Even if Namor didn't know what it was, he yeah. would claim that he owns it because it's under the uh, sea. Yeah, it's exactly. Under the sea, mine. But in some ways, doesn't it kind of seem like maybe this is what Namor was actually looking for? the whole time and now he doesn't know Magneto because I feel like this could be a, a re- reoccurring story to get Namor back into the fold I if he finds so. out Magneto just, like, took this relic it makes sense to me yeah I think that's all of these giant size seem to have something of a like a new storyline that we're going to have to flesh out yeah like, or some other writer gets the joy of having to flesh out <laughs> <laughs> right. they're, they're like, like I'm setting this up this is for you, though. Have fun. So ultimately, yeah, I think we're left with more questions than answers. But we do get, a, I think, a, a pretty good, at least B-plus showing from Namor. And we get that final grand optics payoff where Magneto not only shreds the shipping containers uh-huh. down to their, their bare bones, but he just strips the whole boat down to its studs to make this huge like tower outpost for well, apparently had a sentinel face in the boat. Yeah. Why? I mean, what else are you going to do with a scrap sentinel head except shove? Yep. It? I mean, it's like the masthead of, this, of right. this tower. So it's really, it's a really cool scene to look at. I think just visually it was really, cool. you, you know, that Matt, you, you know, that sentinel head has laser functioning laser eyes, right? It better. It's going to blast. Otherwise, what's something. the point of bringing it? Just right. Decoration that seems a little a little gauche for Emma. Little, little on the nose, guys. Um, right. Literally, yeah, you, you know, face. you know, I I liked this giant size. I think it's kind of been my favorite so far. The first one of the giant size was was a cool way to do it. The mental link and everything like that. I really liked that. But as far as just being an enjoyable comic, the art was great. I liked this one. Yeah, I would agree with you. It, getting Namor in was big. 
even Quentin, the one thing he told me to bring up in this was that he was really excited to see Namor come back. I think we all enjoyed that. And that yeah. he was kind of sad that he missed a Magneto heavy issue. And it was, it, it featured some good stuff. I don't know that it was necessarily like, you know, great. It didn't blow my mind in a lot of ways, but I think it did a lot of things right. It's set up as all of these have for the future because the, the Emma Jean one was good, but looking back, it maybe relied a little too heavily on the gimmick uh, and the nostalgia of the mental link issue. Yeah. You can go back. And I obviously have my criticisms of the Nightcrawler one as much as I want to love it. So not, yeah, you want to like that one, but you're going to like, <sighs> it was okay. I'm willing to look at stuff and it got better the more that I read it. But this, I think probably is good. Just off the top of my head, my favorite of the yeah. giant size. Giant, of the giant size. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts or anything to close out this issue? No, I'm, I'm ready for. I'm, no, I'm ready for next week. Well, yeah, we're going to get back then. into continuing storylines. But before Correct. we close out here for uh, for this episode, we're going to end this week the way we do every week: sharpening our claws, oh. refining our tactics, and practicing our optic blast aim in the danger room. Solo it? Well, here's what we're going to do. Do something a little okay. different. Because this week we got a small crew. It's just you and me. And if I'm running the controls, I can't help. So I'm, we're going to keep it simple. Back to basics. This is just going to be a little X-Men trivia. Five questions. That's it. Ooh, okay. So All you're right. going to have to prove yourself to either be an Omega-level mutant or be ridiculed by all the listeners we have. The I will not. I, you know what? I'm going to say it now. I'm not going to Google these answers. Good, good, good. Be All no right, I appreciate that. Option. All right, question number one. Like all comic heroes, the X-Men seem to routinely die and come back. But it doesn't make their sacrifices any less heroic. Colossus once gave his own life to help others. Why did he do that? It's to create the cure for a virus. Uh, it's housed in him. It's not the techno organic virus, though, is it? It's not. It's not because basically that's one other big virus. I I can't remember the name. I of I kept, it kept sounding like you were going to say it, but I think you were just making a grunt noise. I was making a grunt noise. Pretty no, good. I, I'll, I'll, I know he dies from a virus. It dies to, to create the cure for the virus, I believe. So I'll count it. Good enough. It's the, it was the legacy virus that Colossus stopped. With legacy virus. Okay. Question number two. The X-Mansion and Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters has moved a lot throughout the decades of X-Men. What was the name of the street it was originally located on? Gray Malkin Lane. Bingo! I, I thought about not doing that one because we say it every week. Yeah. Transitioning <laughs> in that segment. But, but then, then, I but then you were thinking it. More embarrassing. So I kept it. 
Well, I thought I thought you were going to see if you could catch me into going. It's like, well, we say it every week, but maybe that's a later address. <laughs> maybe we, we duped you. Yeah, maybe Unintended. Duped. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Glad you didn't miss that one. All right. Question number three. Doing well so far. To celebrate the 20-year anniversary of the X-Men movie franchise, here's a little factual tidbit. So Patrick Stewart once asked Brian Singer why his character was in a wheelchair. And Brian Singer told him, well, I don't know. I think a while back Magneto did it. That was his answer. So not exactly comics accurate from Brian. So Kelsey, please enlighten Brian Singer on some comics accuracy. Why is Professor Xavier in a wheelchair? Uh, Professor Xavier is in a wheelchair because of, yes, Magneto, but it's because of a dispute, I believe, early in their time in the Savage Land, maybe? Um, And he put something, broke his back. Um, I can't remember if he actually... I want to say he stabbed something through his back because... Later on, it's still there, and for some reason, Magneto was allowing him to walk for a while. So I think some of what this is coming from is the movies, how it happened. But it's not how he actually gets crippled. How does he get crippled in, in the comics? In the comics, Xavier rallies a group of Tibetans to assault the castle of an alien named Lucifer. And Lucifer drops oh. uh, like a rock slab on him, and paralyzes him. You heard that correctly. An I did alien not know that. named Lucifer in his Tibetan castle. What a wild time the early X Men were. Well, By the way, Stanley, no relation you know, to, to the biblical story of Lucifer. Just an alien with that name. Oh, why? Okay. I swear later on he's allowed to walk again and it's Magneto doing something. Well, yeah. I mean, Xavier probably has a champagne glass inside of him. So Magneto can just manipulate that. At least a champagne bottle. At least a little bit of foil shoved into his spine. He has has champagne bottle feet. And so he just kicks those for him. Right. Okay. So speaking of Magneto, and today we got to read giant size Magneto. But way back in 1975, the original Giant Size X-Men had a new team of mutants formed in order to save the original X-Men team. Correct. What threat was that new team constructed to face? Krakoa. Correct. Good job. I didn't know if that would maybe be a, a double reverse dupe, given that Krakoa is now their the basis of their island. No, because that's what, that's what threw me off when we did, when we started doing this, I'm like, wait a minute, Krakoa, that's the one that tried to eat all the original X-Men. Why are they living on it now? And Krakoa, if you go back a little further, like, you know, late 2000s, 10 stuff or whatever, is what the Xavier Mansion is on. Like maybe Wolverine and the X-Men, I think era, Krakoa is on the grounds, like See, as I the grounds. I didn't follow that. that yeah, that was me. during that time period. So, last question. You're doing pretty well so far, but I think better than I had expected. I made these kind of hard. That, yeah, that, that Xavier one, I had... You could have asked me that question <laughs> ten times, and I could give you ten different answers, and that, the actual answer, never would have, would have never been come out of my mouth. 
All right, so the original giant size X-Men with its new team saw a lot of new mutant characters enter the fold. But which of these mutants had the earliest appearance in comics? Is it Banshee, Polaris, or Shadowcat? I will say Banshee. So Banshee debuted in the giant size X-Men. So I'm incorrect, is what you're telling me. I am. Okay. Shadowcat came much later. She was the 1980s edition. Polaris actually debuted in X-Men comics in 1969. Really? It still has Polaris? Still has Polaris? All right. All right. So that was... I The Banshee one, I kind of tried to tie it into that giant size from before that he was one coming in there. But Polaris is... When I was looking to make this question, Polaris was older than I th- would have expected. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Banshee was going to be a little, like I thought he's going to. I remember him, quote unquote, debuting in the um, in that giant size, but I thought maybe he had been in something separate. Like you know how some of the Marvel characters debuted in Amazing This or you know Marvelous Stories. Right. You know, like, you know, it's like that kind of power just seems like something he might have appeared earlier with screaming at stuff. It just seems yeah, there like something from the 60s. There, there weren't a lot of X-Men introduced before the the new team in Giant Size. So there, there's the original five with Xavier, right? Correct. And eventually they retconned some with like flashback stories adding in a couple of characters. But other than those that got retcon thrown in, Mimic, Changeling, Polaris, and Havoc were the ones to come in before before the So not okay. Mim- oh, man, Mimic, Changeling. Mimic uh, and Changeling. Mimic and, yeah, it's a like a redu- little redundancy there. It does seem like when you're on a team of X-Men, it's like, all right, we have to plan for X-Men's number six and seven. And they're like, we're going to do Mimic and Changeling. You feel like somebody at some point would have chimed in. Right? uh, Maybe we diversified a little bit more. (laughs) But in fairness, they went Mimic and Changeling. And then they added Polaris, so another magnetism user. Correct. And then they were like... And then after it, that, they blast. said, how, how about Havoc? Yeah, uh, uh, we'll just straight up make him a brother to Cyclops. And so it wasn't right. really until the giant size team they added quite a bit of diversity. But yeah. anyways, Kelsey, I would say you passed the danger room. Those are passing grades as far as I'm concerned. Oh, good. I'm good, proud. good, good. I'm proud. I think the just, listeners will just be enough, Just enough to pass. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's what the X Men way. What what do they get called a guy who gets a D in medical school? Doctor. That's right. So for you kids at home, that is our, our parting motto to you. Just <laughs> enough to pass. Just so with that, enough. that's everything we have here for the examination podcast. Until next week. I love getting to say that, that we're not having to wait two at a time. Yeah, that's true. But until next week, we'll see you guys with more examination. Good night. Later. Hi, and thanks for listening to the Examination Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, write us a five-star Omega-level review that would make us mutant and proud. We would really appreciate it. 
Me and the guys love Talking Nerd, and we want you to be a part of the conversation as well. If you have any topics you want to discuss, questions to ask, or suggestions for the Marvel 20 Questions Danger Room segment, you can always get connected with us. Email us at q.examination at gmail.com. Remember, examination is E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can also follow us on our Twitter handle, at examination, spelled the same way. Or visit our website, examination.blogspot.com. Thanks again for listening. We love having you be a part of our community, and we can't wait to hear from you. See you next week.